please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language of this podcast are of an adult nature and can be disturbing, frightening, and even in some cases, offensive. Therefore, listener discretion is advised. Hey, you know what? There is very adult content ahead and you have been warned. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. As always, I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the weird, wonderful, unexplained, eerie, scary, and downright unbelievable. There will be tales of ghosts, murder, supernatural beings, and unexplained mysteries. So, sit back. Grab your favorite drink, relax, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, we are once again jumping into our normal episodes. Although, really, how normal are they? Because I don't think I'm normal. Normal's boring, and you guys aren't normal because I love you and you're not boring. But anyways, back to what I'm saying. And in the last two weeks, we did cover a wild and weird murder mystery. Although, I'm not sure that it was actually a mystery, because I think we all kind of know what happened there. Anyways, it was still a wild and crazy ride, and it was a great story, and I had a lot of good feedback from it. So, for this week, I decided to take on a listener request that I actually got during our Witchtober. And I really do hope that I do it justice, because... It's a pretty fucking awesome story. And I hope you guys like it. Anyways. Okay. As always, we will be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. So, the losers that are with me. That's right. I love you. I love you, my losers. Mwah. Anyways. The choice of libation is up to you. So, as always, choose your venom accordingly. All right. Now, for the game part, how about every time I say hell, that will be a single shot, and every time I say conspiracy, that'll be a double shot. I know you guys are scratching your head going, what? Okay, now that the business end is out of the way, we can jump head first into today's Dark Enigma Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. And the crazy, creepy, and unbelievable story about Helltown, Ohio. That's right, my babies. We're talking Helltown. What is it about certain locations that cause just certain strangeness to gravitate all around them? What quality do they possess that should make them such a magnet for tales of the weird and the paranormal? And, you know, why don't I live in one of those towns, right? The world is littered with anomalous locations that pull around themselves tales of the paranormal like a shroud, concealing them in an unpenetrable cloak of mystery and odd tales. One such place lies in the United States, in the great state of Ohio, and has for many years accrued a reputation as an incredibly spooky and haunted domain of high strangeness. 
out in the wilds of Summit County, Ohio, in the United States, is a place that was once known as Boston Mills. Wandering around this place in re recent years, all one could see were derelict buildings, weed-choked lots, and crumbling roads that led to nowhere. An unkempt, feral landscape full of the remnants of what once was and inhabited only by the ghosts of the past. Go back a few centuries and it was altogether something different. Once a French trading post in the 17th century, the town itself was founded in 1806 and was actually a rather pleasant place to be, going on to becoming a thriving community, at least for a while. But in 1974, the U.S. government began a fierce campaign in the region to acquire all of the land in order to establish a park with the National Park Service. The park was eventually to be called the Cuyahoga Valley National Park, and the government began buying up all the property, claiming eminent domain, and more or less kicking people out left and right. Under the onslaught of the land-hungry and very determined National Park Service, no one would remain, sending disgruntled private landowners scattering off to other locations to leave their beloved village an abandoned husk, the boarded-up houses like fossils from some other time. And this was how it would remain for decades, a mere shell of its former self. The park itself never came to fruition, abandoned by the park service just as the homes and buildings were left abandoned by the town folk, and Boston Mills became a forgotten place left to be reclaimed by nature. Lurking out there in the trees, and with its spooky empty buildings and desolate landscape, it is perhaps not surprising that such a place should draw to it creepy stories. But the former Boston Mills would truly become a wellspring for tales of the bizarre and sinister in the years following its closure, to the point where it would eventually earn its new unofficial name, Helltown. It's hard to tell exactly where to begin with the odyssey of strangeness in Helltown. Not long after its abandonment, it was said to have become the haunt of mysterious cultists and Satanists who moved in to perform sacrifices and to leave their arcane graffiti all over the place. Indeed, there were often reports of the carcasses of animals being found here that showed evidence of being ritualistically slaughtered. Adding to this macabre reputation as a place of sinister cultists going about their grim work, are the rumors of human bodies that have been found out in the woods in various states of dismemberment. A lot of this supposedly gravitated towards the old shell of the former church, which was said to have upside-down crosses scrawled across it and is often seen to have a strange red light flickering within it. There have also been numerous claims that black masses were held at the old church, and there are persistent stories of a strange hermit who lives in the basement who will chase away any trespasser. Other rumors are related to the Satanists as well, because, you know, as Satanists, they get a bad rap. 
There are supposedly several roads that pass through the area that have been mysteriously blocked off or posted with road close signs, allegedly by these nefarious parties. Another legend is a supposedly haunted school bus, which once sat out rusting away on one of the unused roads. The story behind the bus is that it had once been filled with a full contingent of children who were, depending on the version of the tale, all massacred by either a deranged serial killer or a group of cultists said to lurk there. One commenter on the side Weird Ohio said of the bus, and I quote, There is an abandoned house in the woods there, and for years an abandoned school bus sat next to this house. The story of how the bus got back there still gives me chills every time I think of it. The bus was carrying a group of high school students who were going to one of the ski resorts near Boston. An elderly woman flagged down the bus and, in a panic, explained that there was a young boy in her home who was seriously hurt. The bus driver, attempting to help, turned down her driveway and drove into the woods, hoping to revive the boy. When the bus approached the house, Satan worshippers swarmed it and sacrificially murdered all of those aboard. The bus sat back there for over 30 years, standing as a warning to all who decided to venture into Helltown. I saw this bus many times before they removed it, and if it was very real and very frightening. It is not coincidence that numerous bodies have been found dumped in the woods of Helltown. This place is truly evil as I have seen with my own eyes. End quote. Well, I don't know about you, but I take that as full-on yes. Anyways. The vicinity of the bus was said to be plagued by all manner of strange phenomena, like the voices of children screaming or crying, and apparitions, apparitions seen of child-sized figures prowling about in the brush, or even spookier, the wrath of a man holding a cigarette, said to be the spirit of the murderer himself. This rusted-out hulk sat out there for decades, accruing these stories and hordes of curiosity seekers looking to see the accursed bus. But, as of present, it has apparently been removed. Adding to tales of murder and mayhem in the area is the old abandoned slaughterhouse, said to once exist here. The lore has it that this place was once used by a psychopathic killer who butchered his victims, and it is said that if one were to look into the windows, they would see the tormented souls of the victims. Wahaha. Okay, had to add that in there. I hope it made you laugh. <laughs> in later years, it has been claimed that this slaughterhouse never even existed. But it is a potent enough image to make it easy enough to see how it would become part of the whole larger-than-life lore of this town. Another very prevalent story orbiting Helltown is that it was once the site of a chemical spill called the Cresty Dump Spill. It was apparently caused by a crashed truck carrying toxic materials in the 1980s. I don't know about you, but this is sounding an awful lot like an episode of the West Wing. I'm sorry. Anyways, and of course it was alleged, investigated, and cleaned up by the Environmental Protection Agency. According to the tales, the spill has had a lasting impact, causing mutations in animal life, and even in the humans throughout the area which went on to be known as Mutant Town. 
The most notable of these is what is purportedly called the Peninsula Python, which is said to be a type of outsized snake said to roam the area to this day. Okay, and that would be reason one why Nicole is not going, because fuck snakes. Unfortunately, there is little evidence that any such chemical spill actually ever happened. But, you know, it is spooky, so whatever, right? There are numerous other legends about this mysterious place. Supposedly, there's an abandoned house out in the woods that always has a light on it in its window and is intensely haunted, by some accounts inhabited by an actual witch. And now you see the tie-in to Witchtober. Drive along one of the roads past the signs warning you away, and you will apparently be trailed by a ghostly black hearse that in some accounts has only one headlight. Speaking of roads, there is another called Stanford Road, or more ominously, the end of the world, that is said to be cursed with an unseen force taking over your vehicle should you try to ride down it. And if you do make it to the end... It is said that you will be greeted by a robed group of Satanists waiting for you. Another road is charmingly called the Highway to Hell. And, you know, apparently ACDC has been on it. Supposedly has a demented, axe-wielding maniac that prowls its expanse looking for new victims, jumping out of the shadows to viciously kill the unwary. There is also a haunted tunnel here, supposedly patrolled by the apparition of a long-dead man who died in an accident here. The cemetery of the town is, of course, also said to be a hotbed of activity, because, you know, cemeteries. The graves are said to be prowled by shadowy figures, and even the trees are said to move by themselves. One apparition in particular is said to sit upon a bench here and merely stare vacantly at his domain. There are also numerous reports of strange dancing lights moving about in the darkness here. Not far away is what has been come, what has come to be known as Crybaby Bridge. I know a few people that should be on that bridge, anyways. Which of course crosses the Cuyahoga River, and where a baby was, according to legend, thrown off to its death. If you stop your car, there will purportedly be a layer of dust that forms with tiny footprints etched within it. Haunted forests and houses, secret tunnels winding under it all, you name it, Helltown has it all. It is a dark, foreboding place where ghosts, cults, and even a serial killer were said to lurk. People will tell you the entire town was cursed, warning that it was dangerous to be in the area after dark. Helltown is a nickname given to the northern part of Summit County. The areas most often associated with Helltown legends are Boston Township and Boston Village, as well as portions of Sagamore Hills and Northfield Center Townships. In most of the legends, all of these areas are combined into one large region, which is referred to as Boston Mills. Now, it was first settled in 1806, and Boston stands as the oldest village in Summit County. The first mill was built in the village in the early 1820s. Several years later, the construction of the Ohio and Erie Canal brought more people to Boston, and over the next few decades, mills began to flourish in the area, most notably a paper mill. When a railroad station was constructed in the town in the early 1880s, the station was named Boston Mills, in reference to the paper mill and the name just stuck. 
And of course, in 1974, in an effort to save the forest, President Gerald Ford signed legislation that enabled National Park Services to purchase land and use it to create national parks. As a result, on December 27, 1974, Hundreds of acres, including land within the township of Boston, were officially designated a national recreation area. And I know you guys are wondering why I'm going back over this, but I promise you I'm going somewhere with it, so stay with me. What many people did not realize until it was way too late was that this legislation had a darker aspect to it. It gave the federal government jurisdiction to buy houses and land right out from under the current owners in order to clear the way for the national park. Almost immediately after the bill was passed, the government began acquiring houses throughout Boston Township and the surrounding area. Once the government had decided to buy a property, there was no negotiation. The owners were simply forced to relocate. And in what can only be described as a mass evacuation, residents began leaving in droves and entire townships began to be swallowed up by the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. These events were so tragic that they were featured in 1983, a PBS documentary for the good of all. Perhaps the general feelings of the displaced homeowners were best summed up in a statement found scrawled across the wall of a vacated home. Now we know how the Indians felt. Once a house was bought by the government and the owners left, it was boarded up and covered with U.S.-issued no trespassing signs. Then it would sit vacant until the government could arrange for it to be torn down. In some cases, houses were intentionally burned to serve as training exercises for local fire departments. With hundreds of homes being purchased in such a short period of time, the government quickly fell behind, and it was not uncommon to drive down a street and find several boarded-up houses sitting next to the burned-out remains of others. To a passing motorist unaware of the events taking place in the area, it could easily have seemed as if an entire town had mysteriously disappeared into thin air. And that's where we start. We're going to talk about the legends and... We're going to try and see if we can find out what really happened. So, Mutant Town and Mutane Town are two alternate names for the Helltown area. Research, research on the stories has led us to conclude that the area was first, first called Mutant Town when the federal gover- government bought up the land in 1974. They boarded up most of the houses they bought and put U.S. government no trespassing signs everywhere because they had been a chemical dump in the area. So naturally everyone assumed that there were slimy mutants wandering around murdering people because that's what happens when a chemical spill happens, right? Mutane Town just seems to be a simple misspelling of Mutant Town, although some people will assure you that there had been a butane plant in the area which somehow led to the misspelling of the name. Unfortunately, that isn't true. Neither is it true that there was a chemical spill in Boston Township. It just never happened. So, let's talk about the Satanic Church. This one goes along with the allegations of Satan worshipping made against the entire town. We've been told that all the people in the area worship the devil and that there are animal mutilations and satanic symbols all over the place. All of which leads to the church, which is is called Mother of Sorrows in the real world. 
Supposedly, black masses are conducted here, and there are supposed to be upside-down crosses all over the building. As it turns out, the upside-down cross shape is just a feature of Gothic Revival architecture. You have to think they could have been a little bit more careful when they were building the place, right? So really, nothing there. The Cemetery Well, there are a lot of ghost stories that emanate from this scary cemetery, and every cemetery has a story, which is said to be incredibly terrifying, and the home of a ghost who sits on a bench and stares out into space. Because how scary is somebody sitting on a bench, right? But from what I understand, there isn't even a bench out there, and the cemetery is, well, pretty ordinary. In fact, lately the Boston locals have installed floodlights and patrol the graveyard regularly, so if you are planning to visit at night, you might want to be careful, because they might be Satanists and they might, you know, mutilate you. Then, of course, there's that creepy school bus. And the story does have some creepy elements, but it is just a story. A haunted school bus with all the seats removed is said to sit at the edge of the the woods in Helltown. Legend has it that the kids in it was hauling to a last trip were killed by either a crazy killer or a bunch of crazy killers. I don't know. There's like 12 stories. They say sometimes you can either see the kids or the killer or the killers inside. If it's a single killer, he sits in the back. He's smoking a cigarette because, you know, he must be French or something. However, the truth is, unfortunately, much, much more mundane. The guy was simply repairing his home, and he lived in the old bus with his family until they could move into the house. And you know what? When the house was finished, they had the bus towed away. That's all that happened. The end of the world. Oh, yes, the road. That's the end of the world. There is a steep, winding road with a sudden stop that they call the end of the world. It's actually called Stanford Road. Nothing too supernatural here either, although you'll hear some weird rumors, or another occasionally. Apparently, there's a good drop-off near the road, which creates the illusion that you're driving next to a much larger chasm, and it's just an optical illusion. Then there, of course, there's that hearse that drives around. Legend has it that you'll be chased by a hearse if you go to to Helltown. There was a local guy that did own a hearse for a while, Um, But he didn't chase many people with it. Although that does sound like a lot of fun and I'd probably do that. Anyways, there's lots of stories of people who claim to have actually been chased by the spectral hearse, which then mysteriously disappears. I'm going to see some photographic evidence before I even believe that one. Then there's a slaughterhouse not far from the cemetery, or so it's said. Researchers report that it's just part of an old barn, Over time, it acquired a reputation as a haunted slaughterhouse where you could see faces if you looked through the windows at night. Well, you know what? It's just an old creepy barn and people's imaginations are going crazy with it. Then, of course, there's the abandoned house. There definitely are real abandoned houses that still remain in Boston Township. Since the powers that be evoked imminent demand to take so many of them and then demolish them. There's been first-hand reports about one of which that's haunted, and also that the local boarding house is mistaken for one. A suicide even occurred in one in 2004, just adding to the area's spooky reputation. But once again, it's going to be, you know what, every, every town has a story. Then, of course, there's the devil. Which, you know, surprisingly for an area known as Helltown, the devil doesn't seem to actually show up very often. 
displayed all the black masses given in his honor and the offerings of mutilated farm animals, he hasn't deigned to appear to many people in this area. Maybe this is because Boston Mills residents ran him out. The locals there are apparently quite sick of their largely unremarkable corner of the state's reputation as a satanic hotbed, and the area police have cracked down on nocturnal sightseers. They insist there's nothing to the stories. Whether they're right or not, it's certainly a fascinating, if confusing, bit of local folklore. The scariest part of Helltown is no longer there, as town officials have removed it since it attracted way too much attention. Yes, there is the abandoned house in the woods, and for years the abandoned school bus sat right next to the house. The story of how the bus got back there is the bus was carrying a group of high school students who were going to one of the ski resorts near Boston, which by the way, anybody from Ohio, can you tell me how many ski resorts do you guys actually have there? Because I've never heard of one. But you know, I'm not from Ohio, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to your logic. An elderly woman flags down the bus and then, in a panic, explains there's a young boy in her home that was seriously hurt. The bus driver, attempting to help, turns down the driveway, drove into the woods, hoping to help. When the bus approaches the house, Satan worshiper swarms it and sacrificially murdered everybody aboard. The bus sat back there for over 30 years, standing as a warning to all who would decide to venture into Helltown. So as you can see, legends spawned quickly. And who can blame us, right? Driving through the dark, wooded landscape was enough to give you chills, even when it was populated, let alone when you have to drive by boarded-up houses standing next to the burnout hulks of other strange buildings. After environmentalists raised concerns about Ohio's growing population and the imminent threat to the natural geography, Gerald Ford, who gained the presidency after Nixon resigned, signed a bill in 1974 that allowed the Park Service to create a park in the area. And, well, they began purchasing all the property. At least, that's the official story. Because townspeople tell a somewhat different tale. People living in the region suddenly found parks officials wandering around on their lawns. When residents didn't want to sell their homes, the park service put pressure on them to do so. Within months, everyone in town had been pushed out. The government came in, boarded up houses, posting no trespassing signs wherever they were, and Helltown still looks a lot like that today. A few houses along one road were demolished, but the others simply languish. And the question is why. The number of stories circulating about Helltown is so great that it would be nearly impossible to track them all. But I'm going to try to break down some of the most common ones and see if we can't find some truth hidden in the myth. And I know we've busted a few of them already and we might revisit those as well. But it's always fun to see if we can find the truth hidden in all these enigmas. All right, so the first big legend we're going to touch, there's a government cover-up to hide the fact that they spilled deadly chemicals in the area, and these chemicals have caused bizarre mutations to area residents and their children. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that stories regarding a government conspiracy refer to the area where the chemicals were spilled as either Butane Town, Mutane Town, or Mutant Town. The first two named after the chemical said to have been spilled, and the last describing the results of the alleged spill. 
Records show that there was never a chemical spill of any type in the area, and these stories were most likely attempts to explain the various U.S. government signs on the abandoned buildings. Seriously, somebody with a wild imagination. Alright, so let's talk about the cemetery. Because the local cemetery is haunted by a ghost that sits on a bench and stares blankly into creation. Interestingly, the ghost in this cemetery is always described in this exact way, with no further details offered. Because there is so little descriptive information about the ghost, it's almost nearly impossible to determine a story or even an identity that might accompany it. The home of this alleged spirit is Boston Cemetery, which, by the way, has no bench, but people still believe it. Oh, and the trees in the cemetery move on their own. Now, this legend is another one that appears verbatim on a number of websites, but again, there's no additional information given. There's even a story about an email that was received by some company or someone that claimed that members of a satanic cult caused the trees to move in order to protect the cult's secrets. I'm just going to say it. If getting witchy poo powers is what I want and I have to be a Satanist to do it, you know what? I'm there, dude. But I'm going to want my witchy poo powers first because I want to see how they work. All right. Then you got the Boston Cemetery contains the graves of a large number of children who were all killed in a bus accident. Unfortunately, as with any cemetery, there are always children, children's graves. And yes, there are children's graves in Boston Cemetery, but none of which are result of a bus crash. This legend was likely started in an attempt to tie the cemetery to the legend of the school bus. So let's discuss the house in the woods. Because, of course, there's the abandoned house in the woods where one light always appears in the upstairs window. The truth, believe it or not, there is a house in Boston Township where light stays on all night. It's the local hostel, a lodging house for young travelers. The light stays on since it functions as a boarding house that accepts guests 24 hours a day. Saying that this house is in the woods, well, is kind of debatable. For while it does sit a bit off the road, there are several signs alerting you to the fact that you are approaching the hostel, and one was even placed at the end of their driveway. It seems around the time of the signs being put in place, the story of the light in the upstairs window shifted away from the hostel and down the road a bit to the infamous school bus house. Well, let's talk about that school bus. A whole busload of children were slaughtered in the woods by, well, pick one, because there's stories for all of these. A serial killer, a band of serial killers, an escaped mental patient, several escaped mental patients, a group of Satanists or cult members. Yes, 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 the bus was there, although all the seats were removed, but sometimes again, and choose your favorite, whichever one, you know, floats your boat, the bus fills up with the ghosts of murdered children, each one sitting in their ghostly little seat, or the ghost of the man, the killer, smokes a cigarette, is seen at the back of the bus, and children's screams and or laughter are heard coming from inside the bus. Locals have tried to tow the cursed bus away, but each time they attempt to do so, some mishap, which often resulted in injury or even death, resulted. And as a result, they decided to leave the bus there. The truth? Well, prior to the 1974 buyout, a family bought the house, which was in dire need of repairs. Since the house was not in livable condition, the family needed a place close by to stay while they made repairs. Their solution was to bring an old school bus onto the property, and they lived in that until the repairs were completed. 
And while it does seem a bit odd, there's certainly nothing paranormal about it. It also explains why all the seats were removed from the bus. When the government bought the property, the family had no use for the old bus and it was left behind. And this is also why there are abandoned cars, farm equipment, etc., you know what else, scattered all across the area. In most cases, non-working machinery was just simply left behind as junk. I mean, seriously, if the, ha- if the government's going to pay to buy the land, you know, fuck them. They can clean it up too, right? Now, before you go driving down there to see the bus, I, I, I promise you, there is no bus there anymore. The locals complained in the lo- of large number of people running through the woods at night in search of the accursed bus, and they eventually towed it away, without any mishaps. And why did the bus sit there for so long? That's simple. When the land was purchased, the bus became government property, so it was up to the government to move it. And have you ever tried to get your tax refund from them? They take fucking forever, right? So there's really nothing more to say about that. So let's talk about the church, because there's a lot of legends about the churches. Local churches were used as cover for evil cults. A group of devil worshippers own the church. There's an evil man who lives in the basement and guards the church against outsiders. And he refuses to let people see his face and hides if you try to look at him. Well then, how the hell does he get people to stay out of there? Because I'd just be like, fuck you, I'm going to look at your face. There are always candles burning in the church, even at night. The church has upside-down crosses all over it. And the church is never open for Mass, no matter what time you go. The truth? Well, there are in fact two churches that these legends refer to. Boston Community and Mother of Sorrows. Of the two, Boston Community Church is the one that is more often the focus of the legends, particularly the ones involving the man in the basement. The basement of Boston Community Church houses nothing more than classrooms and offices. So chances are, if an angry man was spotted in the basement, he was simply a church worker, understandably angered at having strangers peering in at him. And as far as him jumping out out of the way when being spotted, ask yourself this. You're working at the office late at night. You hear a noise. You look up and see a group of faces staring through the window at you. I don't know about you, but that would make me jump. Like, I would be, like, Guinness Book High. (laughs) The reference to seeing lit candles inside the church at night might indeed be true, because guess what? Many religious centers allow members of their congregation to light candles in memory of departed loved ones. These candles are often permitted to continue burning ever after the ceremony. So, yeah, and some people go at night when they light, a, they light a candle and they do their prayers. I mean, come on, guys. You've seen movies, right? Oh, my gosh. Mother of Sorrows is the church alleged to have the upside-down crosses hanging from it. But these crosses are nothing more than design elements in the church's gingerbread trim, which occurs quite frequently in the Gothic Revival style of architecture. For the record, both churches are listed in local directories. You can see the listing for Boston Community Church by checking on the internet. In addition, you can see a photo of Mother of Sorrows Church by visiting Explore Peninsula and taking the virtual heritage tour. The link entitled Main Street South is where you'll find the photo of the church, complete with a large right-side-up cross atop its bell tower. And just to stop a rumor before it begins, Boston Community Church also prominently displays a cross hung in the traditional manner. Now, if the leaders of these churches were somehow affiliated with some secret cult, 
do you really think that they would put their phone numbers on signs outside their church or even allow themselves to be listed in the local directory? I mean, seriously, how stupid are these Satanists? All right, so let's talk about the hearse. The legend is, if you go past the road closed signs, you will find a house that a creepy man, or sometimes a family, depends on the story, lives at. The man drives a hearse, and he will chase you in it if you get too close to his house. Sometimes he will even try to run you down in his hearse. In some versions of this legend, the hearse only has one headlight. And, of course, you hear the hearse with one headlight chased us through town. We tried to follow the hearse, but it vanished at the end of the road. The truth, well, there is a bit of truth in this legend, because according to Randy Bergdorf, curator and historian of the Peninsula Library and Historical Society, there was a Boston Township family that owned a hearse at one time, but they only used it during Halloween. It appears as though someone took the story of a hearse in town and, well, ran with it. As for a hearse being able to drive down past the road closed signs, it is virtually impossible to do so. The area is heavily wooded on both sides, and there is even a creek running alongside the road. And guess what? The gates across the road are locked pretty darn tight. Alright, so let's talk about the end of the world. Because it's the end of the world as we know it. Okay, sorry. The legend is, evil awaits all who drive down this road at night. The road is possessed, and there have been numerous fatal car crashes on it. An evil force will try to take control of your car and force you to crash. That evil force is your children. I'm kidding. If you drive to the end of the world at night, a group of robed Satanists will surround your car and form a human chain in an attempt to trap you there. I don't know about you, but you know what? Satanists surrounding my car, I'm going to gun the gas and run their asses over. Get out of my fucking way. That's right, I'm Luda. Ludicrous. Move, bitch. Get out the way. Okay, I'm sorry. I got a little hyper there. I'm back. Okay. The truth, not to be confused with the nearby top of the world house, the end of the world legend was born out of, well, boredom. Essentially, motorists looking for a cheap thrill began driving up Stanford Road, a twisting road with a very steep incline at high rates of speed. Once at the top of the hill, there is a sudden, fast drop down the other side. As one car crests the hill, the illusion of driving off a cliff is created. In other words, you had just driven off the end of the world. Of course, since this was Helltown, such a tame activity could not escape the paranormal. And since Stanford Road is one of the infamous dead-end roads, it wasn't long before cults and murderers began being added to the end of the world legend. Taking into consideration that these cars are driving at high rates of speed and in some cases literally launching themselves over the crest of the hill, it really wouldn't be a surprise to anybody that there have been some mishaps on this road. And one need not consult the paranormal wor world to find out who or what is the cause of these accidents. Just look behind the wheel of a car and you'll find them. Alright, so let's talk about the highway to hell. The legend is... Evil-doing characters lie in wait along a lonely road. Well, that sounds like just about every road I've ever been on. A serial killer with an axe has been butchering motorists who travel this road at night. Police are unable to apprehend him. Well, do they drive down that road at night? Because that would seem like a perfect time to catch him. Don't drive down the hell highway to hell at night. There are crazy people who hide in the woods and will jump out at you. Okay, well, <laughs> once again, I'm in my car. 
And I'm going to say that my two-ton vehicle against your, what, 180 frame isn't going to do very well. Because I'm going to gun it and I'm going to launch you over my fucking steering wheel. Anyways, the truth is, the road is in question is the same one that takes motorists to the end of the world. The Highway to Hell legend is a classic example of how urban legends form. Start with a harmless story like End of the World and add in some tried and true horror elements such as serial killers and cult members. Give the road a foreboding name like Highway to Hell and presto, instant urban legend. (laughs) That's how they're born, guys. And then, of course, there's the dead-end roads. The legends are, if you go past the road, close signs in Helltown, to the end of the dead-end street, you will find a creepy cemetery. Okay, well, there's creepy cemeteries all over the damn place. There are two roads that dead-end for no reason. The roads both continue. The Satanists put up a road close signs just to keep you from going down to their hideouts. Well, time has led to some confusion over these particular legends. Boston Cemetery does indeed sit at the end of a dead-end street. Main Street, a paved road with no road close sign on it. But far from being spooky, driving down Main Street towards the cemetery amounts to nothing more than if you were to come to the end of a street in a subdivision. The road simply ends, and the entrance to the cemetery is right there in front of you. Where you will find the road close sign is along Stanford Road. And the road does indeed continue past the sign. But neglect, not Satanists, were the cause for this. When Stanford Road was in full operation, it cut through several townships. Over time, a portion of the road, the part that's now closed, became so bad that traveling on it was deemed unsafe. Sagamore Hills and Northfield Center Township, who each owned a portion of Stanford Road, were approached and asked to make repairs. But neither one was willing to bear the cost of bringing that portion of the road up to code or to shoulder the liability should someone get hurt on the road in its current condition. So, the simplest solution was to just close that portion of the road. In order to successfully close the damaged section of Stanford Road, barricades and road close signs were placed at both ends of the road, effectively creating two dead-end streets. The fact that there are two places where Stanford Road dead ends into road closed signs, along with the aforementioned abandoned houses dotting the landscape, is the reason why it has been so easy for new versions of the story to spread, like wildfire. Alright, so the slaughterhouse. You will see ghostly faces if you look inside the windows of the slaughterhouse. I'm going to guess that the ghostly face you're seeing is probably your own. And you probably just wet yourself. (laughs) Aside from a neighbor who might have offered to slaughter your livestock in order to make some extra money, there never was an official slaughterhouse in the Boston Mills area. Remember, this was not your average town. It was a mill town. The building that is called the Old Slaughterhouse is nothing more than part of an old duplex built for tenants from the neighboring mill. The old building sits next to a more modern home, which certainly gives it a dark and gloomy appearance. And sitting right next to Boston Cemetery certainly doesn't help with the house's reputation in any way. But the house has been acknowledged for its historical significance and is part of the National Historic District. In fact, it stands as being one of only two houses in the entire U.S. that the Park Service has sold back to private owners. The Funeral Home I know we didn't talk about this one, but there is an abandoned funeral home next to the cemetery. Candles are often seen burning in the windows at night and cult members will chase you away if you try and get close to this building. 
The truth is, the building that is called the Abandoned Funeral Home is the same one that others say is the old slaughterhouse. And while the property owners are not cult members, one could not blame them if they did decide to chase you away, or call the police for that matter, because you would be trespassing on their property. Now this one is my personal favorite, and I hope you love it too, because I dug really hard for this one. The Children of the Corn. That's right. There is a legend that there is some connection between Boston Township and the movie Children of the Corn, which I loved. It was a great campy movie, and if you haven't seen it, I implore upon you to drop what you're doing after you finish the podcast and go rent it right now and watch it, because it's awesome. The movie was filmed in Boston Township, and satanic props from the movie were left behind by the production crew and are now being used by area Satanists. And the movie was based on real-life events that took place in Helltown. Well, the truth, the original Children of the Corn, released in 1984 by New World Pictures, was filmed in Whiting, Iowa. That's right, Iowa. (laughs) Sequels to the film were shot at various locations throughout California, including Ventura. By 1983, around the time the original Children of the Corn was being filmed, the National Park Service had already been acquiring land for almost nine years. As a result, it would have been next to impossible to film a movie in the area as special permission would have had to have been granted by the Department of the Interior. There is also no truth to the statement that the film was inspired by actual events that took place in Boston Township. The film was based on a Stephen King short story of the same name that appeared in his collection of short stories, Night Shift. And if you're a King fan, you know which story I'm talking about. And in both the King story and the original film, the setting was Gatlin, Nebraska. Subsequent movie releases were all set either within the town of Gatlin or in nearby cities. Regardless, the settings were never outside Nebraska. Then we have the ghostly AAA. That's right. There is a crybaby bridge, and it is said that if you bring an extra set of keys, park on the bridge, turn your car off, lock the doors, and walk away with the keys just sitting inside, when you come back, the car will be covered in dust with little footprints all over it, and the car will be running but still locked. Oh, that's fun. The truth here is that if you choose to test this legend, you should probably not only believe in ghosts, but in miracles as well. And that gold falls out of Nicole's ass. Sarcasm aside, this particular legend incorporates some classic ghost urban legend elements, most notably the references to a crybaby bridge and the prints left all over the car. Crybaby bridges can be found throughout the U.S., and in fact... There are several references to at least 18 such bridges in Ohio alone. And ghostly prints appearing on your car are also quite common. Ohio sites where this phenomenon has been reported include Gravity Hill and Gore Orphanage. Although I have to admit, this is kind of the first time I've ever seen footprints mentioned, because in all other cases it's usually handprints. I do agree with one thing. There is an odd feeling throughout Boston Township and the surrounding area, but it's 
probably not caused by anything supernatural. It's more of a feeling of sadness in thinking of how the residents had to sit helplessly by while neighbors, friends, and even in some cases family members were forced to move. And if that wasn't enough, now they're being told that they live in Helltown and have to listen to all these exaggerated claims of events when all they want to do is live their lives in peace. And this is why the senseless vandalism and trespassing needs to stop. Because we can't change what's happened to these people in the past, but as human beings, we should be able to offer them some hope for the future. And with that, my darlings, we've come to the end of our episode. And I thank you for joining me here today. And I hope that you'll take the time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think about this. You can always reach the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have suggestions for future shows or you just want to tell me what you think, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. So send it, send it, send it, send it now. Okay. And on that note, that is all the time that I have for tonight. I thank you again for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to tune in next time, my darlings. See you, my heathens. I love you. Mwah! We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.